Hello and welcome. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. Here's what's to come. Rob Bryden tells us about his return to the stage for his tour, A Night of Songs and Laughter. Jennifer Saunders takes us to the West End and tells us everything about returning to her role in Noel Coward's Blythe Spirit. And author Leanne Moriarty fills us in on her brand new novel, Apples Never Fall. But before all of that, here's Maria with Graham's Guide. There she is, boys. I am here in the studio, sitting opposite you on a very grey day. I'm going with hazy. OK, hazy. It might burn off later, that's what they say. Yeah. Well, no, apparently today's got to be warm. 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 Does that mean sunny just or humid? I wasn't really listening to the nice no. lady on the wireless or the television or whatever. <laughs> the <laughs> but, nice lady on the wireless. Uh, but she, it, it, she suggested it was going to be warm. She didn't tell me I needed to wear a short sleeve shirt, though. OK. Yeah. But you have got a short sleeve but shirt. But actually, it's quite nippy this morning. <laughs> you came in on your bicycle. Yes. I oh, And there's a there's a definitely an autumnal chill. There is, and makes me feel gloomy. But I'm not going to be gloomy. I'm going to say I watched your show, your television show, which is back, and with an audience which is hurrah yes. and you wearing lots of people on Twitter saying your outfit was on point well it certainly had points it had points and with the social distancing it was perfect for keeping people away from you that's what I thought mm. I thought don't try and cry on my shoulder Daniel Craig is that a <laughs> yes is that a designer outfit yes I believe it was Givenchy oh my oh, goodness Leia Seydoux who was on the show she pronounced Givenchy very differently than that backstage she would go oh I'll have some of that thank you very much yes Leia Seydoux yeah. no she's in the Bond film but she was a bit yes no I, I kind of wanted to shout at the telly you're on a chat show. Yes and no answers do not work well. Yes, but then you are... Their language you, Yes, you are from a different country and I really don't think she knew what was going on. And it also, the difficulty is, of course, they're talking about a film they finished making... A million years ago. I mean, ago. so long ago. It's amazing they haven't kind of aged out of promoting it. Yes, well, you just go, they had a little bit, I felt. <laughs> you were doing a lot of treading water there and keeping everybody going. It was like, you know, a swan on the surface yeah. and then things go. On. But um, I just want to ask about your Givenchy. Do you borrow things from um, places or do you get to keep them ever? Um, I don't know. I think the listeners want to know as much well, as I, I do. I don't, you know. don't know. There's a lot of questions about the show I don't know. There was a lot of people on Twitter saying, how come the audience is full and, and the guests are sitting apart? Da, da, da. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Those are the rules. And it's, yes. like, it's like everywhere. The rules are... It's very hard to follow them and understand them. Yes. But once someone tells you them, then you follow them. Yeah. So... I'm just following the rules. And also, you don't need to worry your pretty little head about no, that. Exactly. You just need to be funny. And do you know keep, what else I need to be? Keep the guests happy. What? Thinner. Oh, shush now. Oh, I was shocked when I saw myself on television last night. I looked like a cooked ham that had been rolled on the barbershop floor. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was... Oh. I did not think that. Oh, I, well, I've, I, luckily, luckily, I've started going to the, back to the gym this week. Yes. But if I hadn't already started, that show would have got me on the phone to book an appointment. Uh, yeah. What, trying on trousers and things again? No, just... Uh, well, no, because see, my stylist is very kind. So she just, you know, obviously looks she, at me and goes... She look covers at, the floor. Look at the size of that. <laughs> uh, I better... Let's I, go bin liner this week. It's very <laughs> on trend, yeah. Graham. Yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've attached some silver bits. It's from Givenchy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but, uh, so she doesn't humiliate me by giving me clothes that she knows I won't fit into anymore. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, it was but just... she does give you some comedy clothes. Yes, obviously. So, but, yeah, yeah. but seeing myself on the television, it was quite frightening. 
kind well, of thing. Well, you are wow. obviously a far better judge because, you know, we are very harsh to our own selves, aren't we? Yeah, the ripcord had been pulled. And you've seen the Bond movie? No. Oh, you haven't seen it either? No, no one's seen it. No one's seen it. Because I think they are so... I, I assume there must be some... Uh, he must die in it. I mean, there must be some big plot thing that they're trying to keep... Uh, under wraps. Yeah, well, I did think you showed a clip and in one of the clips for people that are going to go and see it, they say something like, this is the ultimate weapon. You make the people into the weapon. You turn the people against... And I was thinking, could have how apposite for sort of COVID, really? Yeah, well, honestly, I think it might... I think it might be a bit of a germ warfare thing. Oh, that's why. Yeah, which might be the other reason why they kept delaying <laughs> the opening. <laughs> Until the end of the very bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Even so, though it's not really ended, has yeah. it? Yeah. But, you know, but... Do you like my dress today, by the way, Graham? It's the nicest dress I've ever seen you wear. <laughs> you're good at being so insincere, which is why you're a very good chat show host. Oh, it's, actually, it's very nice. It's, um, I look as if I'm going to Glastonbury, don't I? Well, it has a, 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 a whiff of kind of... Um... <laughs> Go on, say it. Well, I mean, you could accessorise it with a tambourine. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's very pleasing. That is the effect that I was going for this morning. Well, ideal. And maybe if I can sing a folk song in between songs to you while we kill some time, that would be lovely. Virgin Radio. Do you want a problem before you insult me any further? I'd love one. Okay, here's the first one. It's quite long. Dear Graham and Maria... Over the past year, my partner has become increasingly busy at work and finds his days very stressful. When he comes home, he's tired and just wants to go to bed. I've been trying to make his life easier by getting meals ready and doing all the housework, which we used to share pretty much 50-50. This is fine, but it's been a while now and it's starting to take a toll on my life. My job seems less stressful than his, but I still have long days and I found that what should be my downtime is now filled with cooking and cleaning before eventually falling into bed. I know this is the responsibility of being an adult and I'm happy to do it for the meantime, but I don't want my life to be full of work and chores with no breathing room for a social life. On the very few occasions I've been out in the evening or away for work, I've come back to a messy and dirty house because my partner doesn't have the energy to do anything. How can I tell him how I'm feeling without coming across as ungrateful and unempathetic? And that's from Helena in Branksom. Helena in Branksom, you need to get real pretty soon. Number one, your partner, what a barrel of laughs to be living with somebody (laughs) who just moans all the time about how stressed he is, falls asleep, eats what you've cooked and goes to bed and then doesn't even have the capacity to clear up after himself when you're away. Makes me a little bit cross. You are not his mum, you are not his cleaner, you have made a rod for your own back. I understand... That uh, he's had a... I mean, how stressful can a job be? Is he running the country? I mean, that is quite stressful, but you wouldn't know it, really, would you? Um, It's from Carrie. (laughs) Carrie in Westminster. (laughs) That's right. Carrie and the dog. Um, He's not making the effort, and you have allowed that. So now he's very, very happy, like a pig in the proverbial, with you doing absolutely everything. You have to pull this up straight away. What are you going to say? Well, I would say, I think... Certainly, you have to address it, Eleanor. You just, this, you know, as you were saying, this won't go on because eventually you will snap, and suddenly he will find himself alone. Because you're feeling very resentful already. Yeah. When you say ungrateful, ungrateful for what? Him is him, you know, deigning to be there in your house, lying asleep on the sofa, covered in McDonald's. <laughs> 
other fast foods are available. But I think, but I think when you talk to him, couch and it actually and it is true. I think you need to talk to him as if this is his problem, not yours, because he can't. This isn't sustainable for him either. He cannot stay in a job that is this stressful that drains him this completely because that's incredibly bad for you. But I think you know who has a job that does that really. Is he a brain surgeon in a top London hospital or even a middling hospital? You know, I mean, he's just got used to this, and so what his mo is when he comes home is, oh, I'm so tired. We could all do that, but if he's too tired. To get off the sofa and put something in the dishwasher when you're away, that yes. has to no, stop. No, I agree. I agree because actually, there, you know, I think there are two things going on. I think he needs to do something about this job because clearly he's not enjoying it. It's, you know, they have made him so busy that he's, you know, or he has to own up and kind of go, actually, it's not that bad. Um, but... <sighs> It's difficult. There are two of people in this thing. And I think when you, if you're in a partnership, you've got to be a partner. So part of that is... Talking. If it, but, talking, but also part of it is if your partner's much busier than you, more stressful, then you do pick up the slack and you do a bit more around the house. But this isn't... You can't keep this going. Yes, that sounds like it was a stressful period in his job when they were, you know, trying to get a project finished or something. I don't know. I don't work in an office. And then... <laughs> um, and then it sort of, you know, it backs off. But he's never... He's never... It's never backed off. He's still very, very stressed. He's just coming on going to bed. I mean, You're that sounds, stressed. That sounds depressed. You have no life either because he doesn't do, want to do anything. You're just his slave making him food and cleaning up after him. And he doesn't even talk to you. He goes straight to bed when he comes home. This is nonsense. Yeah, it doesn't sound uh, like... Yes. It's not sustainable for life, a relationship, or for you, Helena. So you just have yeah. to approach this. If Helena was going to write, a, like, pros and cons, <laughs> I feel I feel the cons very large. <laughs> yes. Very large in her life. Yeah, the pros, he falls asleep on the sofa yeah. ten minutes after yeah. he gets in. At least I don't have to talk to him. <laughs> yes. yeah. My favourite responses today will be receiving a bottle of... Now, here's a... It's the word begins with a T, but then is immediately followed by an S. Uh, so I'm going Santali, Santali. Yes, people are with thumbs up like they know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how you say it, Graham. Santali organic Cabernet Sauvignon uh, from Waitrose, and uh, the nose offers a subtler room as a mint with a powerful smooth mix of blackcurrant, blueberry, and herbaceous cherry. Not your cherry, cherry herbaceous cherry on the palate. So that's what you're going to be getting. Boyd is in Belfast. I think Helena should hire a private detective. <laughs> what to find out of why he's so tired. <laughs> What's making that job so stressful? Um, and, and this is the good bit of advice from Boyd, a cleaner. Maria and I didn't think... I mean, that is... If the two of you are working and you're working really hard, then, you know, you've got to use some of the, the money you earn to make your lives easier and a cleaner I mean it will make things better it won't it won't get things into the dishwasher every day because obviously cleaners not every day so yeah a bit of make more of an effort and a cleaner that would change things I think Jules in Stourport sounds like the partner could be suffering from depression to me I mean so I'm with you it sounded like that's not I mean having to come home from work and go straight to bed that doesn't sound right I mean yeah uh, falling asleep as soon as he gets in on his or in is his way of not dealing with anything. I think she needs to have a serious talk about what's worrying him and suggest seeking some help. Or maybe he is the best mate she could call on to help him. And certainly, I, I, you know, as as bad as the situation is for Helena, 
the partner can't keep living like this. This is crazy. You, you know, if your job is that stressful and you're that tired all the time, it's just not sustainable. <laughs> yeah, me and Jules being very thoughtful. Okay, on to Rachel and Leighton Buzzard. Tell the lady in the lazy relationship to get out now. <laughs> Been there, done that. Okay. <laughs> While you are depressed, let, let, let me help you. I'm leaving. Uh, Mark at Portsmouth. See, Marie and I didn't go this direction. Mark at Portsmouth also saying, is Helena's partner having an affair? Uh, maybe. I mean, it, it could be. It could be. That could be why he's so very, very tired and very stressed. Because he's living with somebody he doesn't want to. Uh, I'm not sure if any of that helped, Helena. I'm going to give the advice to... I'm going to give the, the wine to Boyd from Belfast. Just because he, at least that's practical. A cleaner is practical advice. So, uh, Boyd, you get the Fundali uh, Organic Cabernet Sauvignon. Graham's have you got a letter as well? OK, I have. I've got a second letter <clears throat> and here it is. Dear Graham and Maria, my friendship group go away together on holiday every year and we've been absolutely gutted that we've not been able to go abroad together for the past couple of years, Natch. The last few times we've caught up, we've been discussing plans for 2022 and where we can go. Because we've not gone for a while, everyone's got their sights on a massive, all-inclusive holiday and the places that have been suggested and shared around are super expensive. I don't earn quite as much as them and don't want to dip into my savings for a holiday as I'm trying to save for a house. I've tried raising it before and they've kind of just said, oh, don't worry about it, you deserve a break, without taking into consideration that I just really can't afford it. I'd love to go and don't want to be a bore, but if they don't change the budget a bit, I just won't be able to. How can I get them to see how I feel? And that's from Brad in Somerset. Oh, Brad in Somerset. This is a really tricky one because, you know, everybody does earn different amounts of money and... The thing is, these are people who have been cooped, have been denied their lovely holidays, have been denied all the fun. So, of course, everyone, everyone is wanting to go, woohoo, let's go crazy and maybe spend the money that they've been saving by not going. So I don't know if you can deny them that by suggesting, you know, a boating holiday on the Norfolk Broads because it's cheaper. They wanna, and it probably isn't. They want, no, it probably isn't. <laughs> they want to go big and they want to go loud and large. So I'm afraid, I have to say to you, Brad, in some Set. you're in a minority here so it's kind of probably work as a democracy they all want to go yeah. big you don't because you you know you'll get a house instead you won't go crazy in Mykonos or wherever but you'll have a lovely house um, that you can invite them around to when they get back so the <laughs> ultimate thing is you either go or you don't go. I don't yeah. think you can change the nature of this group. It's that thing, is it? Where can I, how can I? How can I make them see how how I feel? They know how you feel. They just don't care. <laughs> they want. They're overriding yeah, they're, you. They're, they're, well, we all want to go on a fabulous holiday. Saws, Brad. Bye. Uh, what I would say to you, Brad, is yes. I, I think. Okay, here's my thing. I think yes, we've all been cooped up. You, we've all been in lockdown. Da, 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 da. Brad, you know what? Who cares about the stupid house you're saving for? 
go on an amazing holiday with amazing friends, friends and this is ha- what is important yeah. in life and then you put those memories in the bank and then start saving for your house again because actually I, I just think you know if we take anything away from this it, it is seize the moment yeah. because you don't know when things are going to be taken away from you and so if the opportunity to have a fabulous holiday with people you really love comes along and you do have that money in the bank that you're sort of saving for a house that blah, 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 go on the holiday I know that's mad advice and it's not very sensible I know but it is it is you know we have learnt from lockdown you know carpe diem we must and it's the small things that you get pleasure from as well it's not bricks and mortar necessarily yes of course you need to have somewhere over your head but it's breaking bread with friends laughing looking at sunrise doing the things that invariably aren't very expensive but what I would Apart say to you, where yeah, you live. Well, well, if the sun sets in the Maldives, <laughs> that is quite spendy. <laughs> that is quite spendy. Um, but Brad, if you do go, embrace it. Don't be, don't be the mealy mouth one, kind of going sucking your teeth every time yeah. they order another bottle of wine. I only uh, had the lasagna. You all had steaks. Yeah, don't be that guy. So if you go, go with good grace. With good grace and embrace it, because I, yeah, I just think, yeah. I mean, I have certainly learned live for today because nobody knows what's happening tomorrow um, and now more so than ever. Those tiny things and the moment live in the moment and not project to your house in the future. You know, you'll probably get a great house in the future because the market will crash and then you'll get a cheaper one. (laughs) There you are. Mystic Maria. Yeah, so, predicts yeah. it. Yeah, go on your holiday while you can still afford to get on a plane. <laughs> while there are still planes. <laughs> while there are still planes and there's fuel <laughs> to make them fly. And, Don't and then, expect an in-flight meal. Yeah. Chicken's very low. <laughs> Stop. Enough now. Uh, yes, and then come back and you'll be able to buy a High Clear Castle or something. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be cheap as chips. We're laughing. We are crying on the inside. Because because we're we're living in the moment, Maria. We are. We're having a good time now. We're enjoying it. We'll be sobbing tomorrow on the wireless. (laughs) 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 Why? Uh, Brad, Brad, Brad. uh, Let's see what the listeners have to say to you. Jane Whedon is in Wokingham. Uh, Maybe Brad could go for the second half of the holiday. He saves some money, but still gets to join his friends. Would you save that much money by going for the second half? I feel like the flights and the, you know, it's, it, yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe save enough. I don't know. I don't know. It all depends how long. I mean, if they're going for a month, then yes, I would go for the second half. I don't know. Uh, Mary H from Cheltenham. Brad, seize the day and go on a holiday. You're only young once. Well, we don't know how old Brad is, but yes. But I'm kind Honestly, I think pre-pandemic, I wouldn't have said that. Pre-pandemic, I'd have gone, oh, be sensible get your house you know you can go on a holiday again now i just think ah, what the hell go go for it go spend money you don't have <laughs> why not uh gary's in hull but that's not his problem no uh brad would have uh, oh here we go here we go now gary in hull has done some maths ladies and gentlemen Brad would have technically gone on holiday for the last two years so think how much you would have spent <laughs> And use that. That's not bad thinking because the money you would have spent on your cheaper holidays for the last two years, you obviously put into your buying a house fund. So, you know, figure it out. Take that out of the buying the house fund and see where you might end up. And this year's about. So that's three cheap holidays. Add them together. See where you get to. I know seeing the money in the bank seems more real and you're hesitant to use it. Very good, Gary. 
Uh, Charles is in Clapham. Brad, these are your friends and a holiday won't change that. You've been on holiday with them before and there will be future holidays for you to go on. Save your money this time for your house. They'll understand. Just don't look at social media whilst they're away. That, well, that's very good. Don't do that, uh, says Charles in Clapham. Well, I hope that helped, Brad. I'm going to send the bottle of uh, Santali Organic Cabernet Sauvignon from Waitrose. It is going to go to Gary in Hull, who bothered to do all the adding up. That was very good of you. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. Top author alert, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to meet one. This writer first published their uh, book in 2003. Since then, they've gone on to sell over 20 million books. They are so hot right now. Uh, the new one, Apples Never Fall, is out now in hardback. Leanne Moriarty joins us on the line. Hello, Leanne. Hello, Graham. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I was going to say good morning, but clearly it's not morning where you are. What what time is it in Sydney? It's eight o'clock at night. <gasps> now, see... In the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'd sold all these books, I wouldn't be talking to me at eight o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> night. Oh, it's a... It's a pleasure to talk to you. There's nothing more I'd want to do. <laughs> Actually, has this been kind of nice in a way? Is it one of the silver linings of the pandemic that you get to do your big book tour all from your house? You don't have to kind of traipse around the world and stay in hotels. In, well, in some ways, except I do miss... Well, actually, to be honest, now I miss travelling um, because I haven't been able to travel for so long. And I also miss meeting readers. It's really actually a lovely part. I'm not getting much love. Normally I get, you know, you do the event and people say nice things afterwards. But now I just turn off the computer. <laughs> yeah, it is that weird thing where writing is quite a lonely thing, but then selling books is quite a, a social thing. But yes, I guess it's all lonely now. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, listen, congratulations on all your success. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Uh, with this book, Apples Never Fall, you know, do you feel... Because obviously when you're writing it, you're just trying to tell the best story you can. But do you feel mm. the pressure of your publishers, kind of like birds in a nest going, feed us, feed us, kind of going, oh, not to worry, <laughs> Leanne Moriarty's got a book coming out, we're fine. Do you, do you, do you feel that pressure? Well, I did with this one, actually. I asked for a bit more time, so I actually was calling 2019. Fortunately, it wasn't 2020, but 2019 for me, I was calling my year of joy, where it was just all going to be about me and doing joyful things. So I actually did take a little longer with this book, and I, do, I, think, it's, I think it's maybe a better book because of it. And it's interesting because, you know, you've got a family at the core of this book, uh, mother, father, four now adult children. When do you when do you sign off on an idea in your head? When do you kind of think, OK, this is this is good. I can I can build a, a full novel on, on this. Uh, I think when I can't stop thinking about it, when I keep returning to that idea. So I never actually write down a premise. I, I I think if it just keeps coming back into my mind, then I think this is worth exploring. But I don't actually, I don't have anything else except that particular premise. So I've only got a little bit of an idea. 
So was there something that, was there a news story? Was there something, an anecdote? Was there something that triggered this situation? Uh, So for this one, so my husband got me, um, like the character in the book, Joy, I got some fancy wireless headphones. So then I started listening to podcasts. So I came to podcasts a little bit later than everybody else. Um, And I started listening to true crime podcasts. And sadly, there are multiple uh, cases when you're listening to true crime podcasts where a woman goes missing and um, the main person of interest is often the husband. And invariably, they're described as um, a loving father. So that got me thinking, how would I feel as an adult if my um, mother went missing and everybody was saying that my father would, was responsible? And then I started thinking, uh, you know, if, we, if, if I had multiple siblings, then I could have factions formed. So, you know, one sibling says that's not possible, another says something else. So, so that, was, that was all I had. And the other thing that I had was I asked my sister in that uh, year of joy when I wasn't meant to be doing, I wasn't meant to be starting a new new novel to send me some writing prompts. And she sent me just a couple of lines describing a bike lying on the grass with some apples lying next to it. Uh, and so I was meant to write a short story or something, but I'm not, I'm not good at short stories. So that became the opening chapter. And good game, good game that, that you get your <laughs> sister to send you kind of, does she do that often? Just send you an image or something or... Yeah, no, that was the very first time she's ever done that. So I'm going to make her do it again because yeah. uh, I liked it. <laughs> and two of the big things in this book, uh, tennis it looms large throughout the, the book. Do, did you know, yes. I mean, are you a keen tennis player or did you have to research all of this? I did have to research it and I, and I, don't, I don't actually follow the tennis, which... Um, resulted in a very embarrassing interview recently when um, the announcer was saying to me, and you've released a book about tennis. So this is in the UK, saying you've released a book about tennis on today, today of all days. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? And I was thinking, what is he talking about? I had absolutely no idea about your gorgeous young um, Emma. Um, So that, that really gave... Gave it away. <laughs> I, I don't actually know much about tennis. Um, the reason I chose tennis was because um, I was actually having a tennis lesson because my son, who's 13, has got quite good at tennis. So I was trying to keep up with him. Um, and I had, once I had this idea of my family with the missing mother, I thought I want to have a family business, really just so I could keep my all my characters in one spot so, you know, they don't have to go off to work each day. Uh, and that's when I thought, I know, I'll have I'll have them run a tennis school. And then I just let that, you know, I had that idea. And then I, I thought that wasn't really meant to be that relevant. But then I started thinking, well, I guess if they run a tennis school, they're really into tennis. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm going to have to, you know, learn about tennis. And that's when I started talking to uh, competitive tennis players and tennis coaches and I got an understanding of the level of sacrifice that goes into a tennis career. And then I started thinking, so what happens if you do have the talent and um, you do make those sacrifices, but you don't make it? You do not end up 
winning the US Open or Wimbledon and you have you have to give up. And that then sort of started to drive the story. And I think I got away with my lack of knowledge through all the the clever people who helped me. Well, I'm no judge. I know nothing about tennis, so I, I lapped it up. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, that, that end of the racket. Um, well, nobody's, nobody's, people are always very keen to point out mistakes. Nobody has yet. Oh, well, that's, oh, well, that, you're, you're doing well. And, Leanne, one of the things people all say about, you know, page turn, a page turn, a page turn, a page turn, and when it's this many pages, do you, is that something you've studied? Is that something you've learned how to do? Or is it just kind of quite instinctive? because you are a very good storyteller? Uh, I did. I, I did actually do a master's degree when I got started writing, but I feel that really what that did was it just uh, gave me a structure to start uh, to make myself write my first book. Um, because, as you know, it's really hard to... It's just hard to finish your first novel. Yeah. So, in a way, I've, yeah, I feel I could, I could perhaps have achieved that with a writing group, um, but I was paying a lot of money to do <laughs> to do that degree, uh, and I also am a bit of a teacher's pet, so I wanted to impress the teacher, and so you only had to you had to do thirty thousand words to finish it. So I did a hundred thousand words. So it was yeah, it was just being back in the classroom that made me finish it. Wow. Well, I, you, yeah, I think that master's has paid for itself now. So uh, <laughs> I think your quid's in. <laughs> Jessica, Jessica's on the Isle of Wight. She was asking, uh, have you got a, is there a favourite book you had to write? You know, is there one that you feel particularly attached to or is it always just kind of, you know, your newest baby? Yeah, I think it's it's always the newest one I because I love the... I always love the characters that I've just written about. So I know when I start something new, I'll miss the Delaney family. And also because I always want to feel that um, that I'm getting better, not, you know, that I'm on an upward trajectory rather than, um, you know, that I peaked. Uh, yes, it would be a shame to I look back. Had, <laughs> yes, yes, my yes, best I book have, was three books I ago. Had one, <laughs> exactly. I had one friend who said... Oh, I've never, re- uh, I've never got back the magic of Three Wishes, which was my first <laughs> novel um, nearly twenty years ago. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and when kind of Hollywood comes a calling and they adapt the books, I mean, obviously that's exciting on one level. But do you? What's your re- what's your relationship with that? Do you let go? Do you stay involved? Are you across the casting, or you just sit at home and cross your fingers? <laughs> I've I've really let go, except that I've been really lucky, and I don't think every author uh, is as lucky in that I was, um, even though I was asked if I wanted to write the screenplay and I I didn't want to because for me part of the pleasure in writing is um, finding out what's going to happen, and I already know what's going to happen with my book, so it actually makes me want to cry with boredom at the thought of uh, <laughs> writing my own adaptation. Uh, but so even though I did that, I was really lucky in that they kept me involved um, in such a lovely way, just as a as a really interested bystander. So, you know, I got to visit the set um, and just see how it all works without actually having to do anything. Uh, so I just, it's actually been a pleasure from start to finish 
really. Just, just It's just been pure fun. But what was it like with Big Little Lies when they did that thing of taking it beyond the book? What was it like for you watching your characters, people you made up, doing things that you never imagined they'd do? <laughs> oh, well, except then I did. So I wrote because um, I, uh, I wouldn't have wanted to adapt my own book, but when they said, have you got any ideas for season two, I said, yes, maybe you could do this or maybe you could do that. Ah, and then okay. um, they said, oh, well, do you want to get involved? So I did write a novella um, not to be published for that. So, And I wrote that with an American accent. So I wrote that with, um, you know, Reese Witherspoon's Madeline in mind. Uh, and in fact, I changed some things from my own book to suit the um, season two. So, uh, and that's when I did come up with a role um, for Meryl Streep. So that was a career highlight because um, I, I had thought to myself, I'll, uh, my sister was, was saying, I was saying to her, should I, should I do this? And she said, well, why don't you just have fun with it and why not write a role for your favourite actress? Uh, so I came up with this character and I thought I'm going to write a role for Meryl Streep and I thought I'll find out what her middle name is and I'll just for my own pleasure call that character by her middle name and that's when I found out that Meryl's real name is actually Mary Louise which really suited this character uh, and I can always remember calling up the producers and saying I've got this role for um, Meryl Streep and they said, oh, Leanne, you've become so Hollywood. You getting on the phone and saying, get me Meryl. Um, and I, I said, if I can one day say that I said, get me Meryl, and you actually got me Meryl, I will never ask for anything again. Uh, and then I got an email saying, we, we got you Meryl. Wow. <laughs> and then it went, I know, it went to my head then, though, because then I was saying, get me Oprah. I really thought they could get me out I thought I was joking, but I was quite serious. But once you, once that tap is turned on, can you turn it off? I mean, when you were writing about the Delaney family, were you seeing them in terms of, of actors and, and stars and things? No, I honestly could turn it off because I... I and, but people don't believe me. They think I'm writing um, always with the adaptation in mind. But um, I, I just write in the way that I've always written. So even with Nine Perfect Strangers, with the character of Frances, in my mind she was Frances all the way through until the end, you know, something just something in my imagination. But then when they said, do you have anybody in mind, then I immediately said Melissa McCarthy. But I never, I wasn't thinking of Melissa as I was as I was writing. And in fact, with Apples Never Fall, I can't think of anybody yet. They're, for me, they're still just the Delaney's. Yeah, what's great about the Delaney's is there are lots of roles for older, uh, older actors in it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I know. And actually, I, I walked by a woman just the other day, walking the dog, and I thought, "There's Joy." It was a lady who looked exactly the way I described Joy Delaney in oh. the book. Well, listen, it's been a joy talking to you and uh, apples never fall. I'm sure it's going to be an enormous success. It is an enormous success. It's out in hardback now. Thank you very much for giving up your Saturday night to talk to us. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. It's been lovely talking with you. All right. Take care of yourself. Thanks a lot. You too. Bye. On the way, Rob Brydon gives us the insight and dates for his tour, A Night of Songs and Laughter. And Jennifer Saunders tells us about her West End role in Noel Coward's Blyde Spirit. 
But first, let's see what show chef Martha got up to in the kitchen. Oh, the rattle of the trolley means that Martha Collison joins us. Hello, Martha. Good morning. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. No, you look very kind of relaxed and, you know, oh, yeah, thank you. shiny thank you so and new. Much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what do you bring us today? It smells and looks delicious. It's uh, it's garlic heavy, so you can smell it in the air. It'll be mm, lingering yeah. for the rest of your show, I'm sure. But today we've got um, a garlic and hoisin braised tofu with udon noodles and pak choy. Okay. Now, you're probably, you're, you're too young. Because I first experienced tofu in the 80s when it was just hideous. I mean, terrible <laughs> texture, tasted of nothing. Wobbly. Was it yeah. wobbly? Oh, just, it was just, <laughs> it was pointless. But now it's come on so much. So what sort of tofu is in this? So this is a smoked tofu and it's a really firm one. So you yeah. can get tofu, which is, I think it's called silken tofu, where it's very wobbly. And it can be quite good for things like mousses as an egg yes. replacer. But you probably don't want to be eating that as a savoury replacement. But yeah. This is nice and firm and kind of cru- crumble into the oil and fry it until it's nice and crispy. Mm. Um, and the smokiness from it actually is really nice. I've not cooked loads and loads with tofu, so it's relatively new for me, but I found it really straightforward to cook with and it's pretty. He- I think it's pretty healthy for you, right? Yeah, no, it is. I, like I, <laughs> well, During the week, I made a salad and um, a waitress, because that's where I shop, uh, they have um, uh, like tofu with basil through it and I fried up little cubes of that and oh, had lovely. it like croutons through the salad. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. Nice. Smell me. <laughs> Smell Next me. Week we'll have to have that. And is this is this a re- this? I assume this is uh, really quick. Mm-hmm. Or does anything in it take a long time? No. So this is a brilliant recipe. It's a ten minute to cook, ten minute to prepare. So twenty minutes all in all. Great for a midweek, and it's completely vegan as well, which I think is really helpful if you're having vegan people around. I live in Brighton, so a lot of our friends are vegan. Oh, it's full of them. <laughs> full of them. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> so you need good flavoursome recipes to cook up for them. And there's actually a spread. This is an Ellie Pear recipe. And oh she's yes, got... Ellie Pear. I'm mm. saying she's like a drag queen, but she is. She's not. She's a chef. <laughs> she is incredible. But she's got five vegan recipes in this week's issue of Week and all of them just sound incredible. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to pick that mm. up. Do, is, that, do you, is that free? Do you have to pay for it? It's free. Oh, well, then, I, then I'm definitely going <laughs> to no pick excuse. it up. Yeah. No excuse. Yeah. What was it? Was it well, sorry, no, I was about to... I, was about to <laughs> I, say, I remember once bumping into someone from Waitrose at a party and I wanged on about some lamb shank for so long they made their excuses and walked away. <laughs> so I was about to get into kind of a deep Waitrose conversation about the magazine, the, ma- the thing. So I'll, sh- I'll shut up. She's now going to tell us how how we go about making the garlic and hoisin braised tofu udon and pak choy. It is delicious. I just had some. It's oh, so packed with flavour. I mean, it's just, mm. yeah. And, and also a nice big portion. <laughs> yes. You know, lots of it. That's yeah. going gonna, to fill you. That's your dinner. You know, because you often get it, oh, noodle might be my lunch. Yes. But that, that could be your dinner. This is dinner. And the sauce is quite thick and luscious so that it should yeah. wrap around all the noodles and tofu and tie it all together. So how do we start? How do we braise our tofu? Do you braise the tofu first? Is that the first thing? What no, happens? No, so actually the braising happens at the end of oh. this recipe, unusually. But it's one of those recipes where, because it's quite quick to do, you want to get everything ready first. Because otherwise you find yourself like a headless chicken in the kitchen looking for your soy sauce, looking for this. So you want to start by getting your ingredients out properly in front of you. Make your sauce first. So it's a little bit of hoisin sauce it's lovely and tangy and rich with some soy sauce and some rice vinegar or you can use anything that's a little bit tangy you just use a vinegar for something that makes it a bit less rich yeah mix that all together with a bit of water and set that to one side then in your frying pan or wok you want to mix together some garlic this is a garlic 
properly a garlicky mm. recipe. I think my hands are going to smell of garlic <laughs> for the rest of the day. I'm sorry to whoever sits next to me on the train. <laughs> um, so garlic, ginger, this is chilies, and what else? What was the other thing? Something else goes in there. Cyanide. Onions. Oh, onions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Basically the same thing. <laughs> so they go in. You just toast them till they're nice and fragrant. Then in goes your tofu. Fry it till it's a bit crispy. Sauce goes over the top with the noodles four minutes just to simmer in the tofu and then the, in that time the tofu absorbs all that flavour becomes really nice and flavoursome and then the pak choy goes in right at the end just takes a minute or so just to wilt a little bit but now am i right in thinking because pak choy because you often see pak choy in a recipe and then you buy the pak choy and it doesn't cook the way they thought that, is that baby pak choy um i think this was regular pak choy i think oh, no. No, they, <laughs> it they, it just, but it was lovely because often pak choy can be quite chewy yeah it doesn't cook as fast as they say it's going to cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's, so you put that in at the end. Right at the end, yeah, because when I initially read the recipe, I thought, is that going to cook in time? Because <laughs> they only say one to two minutes. But actually, yeah, if you kind of cut it up with scissors, so it's nice and fine, like little strips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toss yeah. it in with the noodles. And actually, yeah, just the res- residual heat of that sauce has made it nice and tender, but still got that kind of like iceberg lettuce crunch that yeah. you really like in a bowl of kind of wet things. You need something crunchy. And is that spring <laughs> onion you put over the top or is it green? Yes. Yeah, okay, lovely. Bit of spring onion on the top. And I reckon this would be quite nice with some peanuts on top as well if you don't have a nut allergy, because I quite like that kind of saute kind of kind of vibe nice and um, oh, martha's taking taken <laughs> sorry ellie <laughs> <laughs> ellie goes me and uh, yeah i've just improved it slightly thank you very much ellie if you fancy that uh, the sound of that if you'd like to make it yourself the recipe is in the waitress weekend magazine or you can go to our instagram at virgin radio uk and you tap on it <laughs> <laughs> I must actually do it to find out how you do it. But, uh, yeah, that, that's what I think. Uh, you're back tomorrow. Is it sweet or savoury tomorrow? It is a sweet thing tomorrow. Ooh, mm. delicious Sunday treat. Look forward to that. Uh, thank you very much, Martha, for our gorgeous garlic and hoisin braised tofu, udon and pak choy, courtesy of Waitrose. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. Guess what I had for my dinner last night? Oh, did you make the noodles? I did make the noodles. <gasps> oh, well, that is very exciting. Ellie Pear will be absolutely thrilled by that. Yeah, I mean, I opt on some of the quantities. That's <laughs> do you add any any little flair of your own? No, I, what I did was I, I she said I think was she wanted me to use a 150 gram bag of noodles, mm. and I went well, that is not enough noodles for my dinner. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I went with double that. Double, nice, yeah, double nice. That. And the, but I made more sauce. I added to the sauce oh, as well. So nice. yeah, so but it was delicious. Good. Really, 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 good. and easy. Yeah. So yeah. straightforward, wasn't it? It's yeah. a really good dish. I'm definitely going to be making that one at home Yeah, as well. absolutely. And it, it tastes like takeaway. That's how good it yes. is. Yeah, it tastes like takeaway. Excellent. Uh, now, today, mm. it, it is like takeaway. You've made... it's Because uh, like, in my head, growing up in Ireland, we would call an apple tart an apple tart. But I think in Ireland, what we were really making were apple pies. Oh, OK. But this, so this is an apple tart. This is an apple tart. Well, yours kind of pastry lid as well. Yeah, pastry lid oh, as well. Oh, yeah. nice. I mean, extra pastry is always welcome. Yeah. So. But, <laughs> but this is like, this is like I would call this a, a kind of French apple tart. Mm, yes. Yes, I would say it. So this is an apple tart. It's quite simply called apple tart. But yes, you're right. It has a frangipan layer on the inside. Mm. So it's nutty and French. Mm. And it's got a little, little spiral of apples on the top there. And these are special apples that are in season right now. They are, yeah. So I'm always stunned at how many apples we grow in the UK. So there's like 2,500 varieties of apples just grown in the UK alone. <laughs> wow. Which is a lot. You yeah. kind of expect, you can, I can name maybe like five or six apples, not 2,500. But these are Suffolk pink apples. They're actually grown exclusively for Waitrose and they've got an amazing sherbetty flavour. So they're not quite as tangy as a Granny Smith and a 
cooking apple but they're also not super sweet so they're brilliant for cooking things like this because it matches with the sweetness nice and yeah nice and sharp yeah, I mean, apples are kind of like magic. Someone gave me, like, a little apple tree a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And when I came back from my holidays uh, this year, there was, like, big apples on it. Oh, wow. Like, and it was like, <laughs> how did that happen? Like, so have that... you been having to find apple recipes left, right and centre? No. Or just let them <laughs> <laughs> drop? No, I ate one. I ate one. Yeah, it was delicious. One. <laughs> it was delicious. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's not in a massive harvest. Don't we, you know, I'm not throwing away barrels of apples. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, no, it's yeah. feeding the nature, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, where are we on skills? How good do you need to be to try and make this? So I'm not going to lie, this is this is probably a bit more up there. This is if you're a Bake Off watcher and you're thinking, I want a technical challenge for Sunday afternoon, this is the kind of thing you're going to make. It takes probably about two hours end to end, maybe slightly longer, so you need to make sure you set the time aside, but I would say it's worth it. Well, I, well, now that I've eaten it, I say it's worth it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you spent two hours of your life making that. <laughs> yeah, very well. For, for two minutes of mine. <laughs> but, so uh, how do we start? What sort of pastry is it? Do we do that first? Yeah, so pastry first. It's a short crust pastry. It's so nice and crumbly. This is one that's made with butter and olive oil, quite interestingly. So it isn't quite as um, rich as it could be because the filling is so rich with apples and butter and all sorts of lovely things that we'll get to. So it's a classic short crust but with a bit of olive oil in there as well. Not too sweet as well because everything in the middle is very sweet so that gets made first and goes into the fridge to chill then you want to line your tart tin and blind bake it so that's where it's a bit stagey so you can do it if you're feeling a bit intimidated by the recipe you can do it in stages do that bit the day before then the next day you can do all your fillings and not make it such a marathon yeah yeah (laughs) but once it's blind bake you want to make your filling so the bottom layer of the tart is an apple puree so it's like some lovely some of these lovely suffolk pink apples chopped down with some vanilla and some butter and some sugar cooked on the hob for a little bit and then spread into the base of your tart Mm -hmm. then we've got a pistachio frangipan on the top which is like a lovely almond and pistachio cake essentially but actually quite simple to make doesn't need too much creaming butter and sugar just all mixed together spread that over the top then you want to thinly slice your lovely apples these have got a really nice kind of pink rosy outside to them Mm. so you get a lovely pink color when they're baked spread them any way you like i've gone for a little bit of a spiral but you could just you could chuck them on there if you've lost patience with it by that point (laughs) it's like no don't spoil it at that stage you've gone to all the trouble you might as well keep going and yeah yeah, your lovely spiral and then into the oven for half an hour. When it comes out, brush it with apricot jam. That's how you get that kind of patisserie look. Oh. A bit of apricot jam. Okay, but that's after... So when it comes out, you do that? Yes, yeah. So it makes everything nice and shiny because apples can kind of lose their, lose their gloss a bit. So you gloss it all up with some of this lovely apricot jam and then you can serve it warm or cold. I recommend ice cream, I think. This is an ice cream pudding. Yes, I had some ice cream. Very nice. <laughs> and uh, very quickly, just going back, a blind bake, is mm. that where you put weights on it or something? Or Yes, yes. So okay. what you want to do is put your pastry in, raw pastry into your tin scrunch up some baking parchment and layer it inside and then you can use these things called baking beans they're little ceramic balls but they are a bit if you haven't got them you haven't got them so you can easily use rice or lentils anything heavy that will not burn essentially so anything like rice lentils fill it up to the top with that and then that gets taken out you don't leave that in your no, finished tart no, don't, don't do that that's like <laughs> leaving the giblets in your turkey yes. yeah, don't, don't, don't do that uh, very quickly uh, bake off back uh, do you watch it anymore or are you is that your your past never look back Martha never look back <laughs> I have been watching it a little bit I dip in and out but I do enjoy watching it Bring 
brings back some some good memories. Yeah, <laughs> If you'd like the recipe for uh, Martha's apple tart, then you simply go to our Instagram at Virgin Radio UK and you stab at it for several hours, and eventually you will find your way to the recipe. <laughs> no, it's not that hard, but yeah. I think you, anyway, you you'll figure it out. Just hit, just poke. Just keep poking and eventually all will be revealed and uh, and you'll find the recipe. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank yes. you very much. And uh, no, no, don't, don't. I was going to ask for a preview. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. I Otherwise, won't. yes, I'll just salivate all week. Well, that was delicious. Now on to some more guests. Coming right down the line now. <laughs> <laughs> I was born for commercial radio. It's, it's Jennifer Saunders. Yay. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, wonderful woman. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I think this is the first time I've spoken to you since you became a virgin. Yes, I, uh, yes, a reborn. It can happen. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, Jennifer Sorter, you are you're in the middle of it. I mean, you're back on stage. Yes. Bit, you were there last night. Were you there twice yesterday? <laughs> I was there twice yesterday. In fact, yes, I've only just returned. Um, so- Yes, I have a vision yes. of you. I have a vision of you still wearing the makeup, the wig on a nightstand <laughs> by the bed. Eyebrows still there, yes. <laughs> so this is Blythe Spirit. It's on yep. at the Harold Pinter Theatre in the West End. Yep. And you clearly, well, I don't know clearly, but you seem to love this role. I do love this role. And um, it, I, we were sort of cut short in the West End in first lockdown. And so we've come back to sort of finish off the run, really. And, um, and I do love it. It's it's a gift for a woman of a certain age, shall I say. And, um, you know, I get to not be at all vain. You can put big as eyebrows as you like on, you know, and, uh, and a small moustache now I've added. And... <laughs> So, the rest of the cast the rest of the cast are thrilled <laughs> what's she doing now <laughs> so it's a complete joy really for me uh, so you play Madame Arcati uh, but mm-hmm. but tell us if, if people have been you know living under uh, large rocks for about 70 <laughs> years um, uh, what what is Blythe's spirit about who are you what's going on well, I mean, it was written by an old coward um, at the beginning of the war, and it was basically written to entertain people. He decided he was going to write a great song, a great play, and a great film, and this is the play he wrote. And it's, it's, it's about a man who makes the mistake of having a seance in his house conducted by Madame McCarty, and he thinks he's doing it as a sort of joke to get material and what happens is his past comes back to haunt him and in fact his present haunts him at the same time so it's um it's 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 a bit of a a, a romp really and it's a terribly a terribly funny play and it's interesting isn't it i guess doing it now when you know that this was a huge hit in those darkest of years during World War Two, it must be you know yes. it's it's just a yes. it's a frothy entertainment. It's just there to it's a crowd pleaser. It's a crowd pleaser. Yes, it is, and it's got you know a lot of big jokes in it, and a lot of um, lovely special effects, and a fantastically dramatic ending. Um, and it, it's it's a pleaser. Yeah, absolutely. And posh as well. I mean, it's not just you. It, it, Sir Richard Eyre directed this. Yes, I know. I know. I know. I was very pleased. Now, did because, he? Um, oh, so got, I've, yeah. I've really done a lot of theatre. And um, and so, if, if you know, a Richard Eyre play being directed by Richard was, was quite something, really. 
And did he let you off the leash or was he hitting you with a <laughs> stick saying, no, Jennifer, less is more? No, because actually, you know, once I, because I haven't done it a lot, I'm quite sort of intimidated by because the actors are so great and they're so great at the dialogue. And I think, oh, gosh, I've really got to live up to this. So I was probably a bit subdued to begin with. And um, but then you gradually learn that, yes, your job is there to get the laughs. Come on. Come on. <laughs> you know, move it forward. And what was it like your first night back in in the West End? Was it just thrilling or was it emotional? What was it like for everybody? Um, it was quite emotional, I think, because um, because it had been so dramatically cut short and um, people didn't really know what was going to happen in their lives. Um and also it was very nerve-wracking because you think, you know, you only get a week's rehearsal really to get back into it. And in your head, you've been going through the lines thinking, yes, I'm absolutely fine. I absolutely know this play, you know, beginning to end. And then you suddenly look at the script and realise that it's completely wrong what you've got in your head and you have to go back and relearn it. Because all I'd remembered was my lines, not anything anyone else said at all. <laughs> so I had no idea when I said them. It's just, just a monologue. <laughs> Just a monologue. Are there other people in this play? <laughs> I'll get this out of the way. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, I've just I've just finished watching Back to Life, Daisy Haggard's uh, brilliant show. Oh, isn't it fantastic? And your oh. husband, your husband, Ed Edmondson, he's in there. He's evil. But no, I know this is ridiculous because, you know, we're all performers, we're all acting. Da, da, da. But is it a bit weird watching the man you love being capable of being that horrible and dark? I think that was one of his nastiest roles, actually. It was rather horrible. But I'm very proud of it because he's such a good actor, you know, that it's it's completely believable. And I thought that series was just one of the best bits of telly ever. I mean, it's been fantastic for her. It, I mean, so, mm. so good. And she, she's yeah. one of those people who kind of think, oh, you can go on and do anything. Anything. And I thought the first series was brilliant. And I thought the second series actually topped it, which is so rare. Yeah. And it seemed um, to be wrapped up. Or do we think that's it now for Back to Life? We hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I hope there's more life in that life. Yes, I hope. <laughs> Except, well, yes, he may, he may not be in it anymore. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I sense. Uh, why are we promoting someone else's project? <laughs> Jennifer Saunders stars in Blight Spirit at the, um, uh, at the Harold Pinter uh, Theatre in Pinter. the West End. Uh, now, I'm it's wondering... Just... Uh, Madame Madame Arcarty in Blight Spirit mm. in the Harold of Peter Theatre. Mm. Is your new is your new facial hair at all inspired by <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's Hercule Poirot? <laughs> if only if only they'd let me go that far. To be honest, there is a moment when I have to pull myself back and um, <laughs> stop it being the full moustache. Yeah, because, um, yes, because you have this other project that's been, uh, you know, in the in I the logjam, in the logjam of oh, entertainment. I know. I don't know when that's going to come out, Death in the Nile. I mean, it's, I think maybe February, they said. I think they're waiting for the world to return to normal, whatever that will be at some point. Um but it's, yes, Sean and I, of course, were so excited to be in a great big movie together, you know, with a big producer, big American movie. And then, of course, it never comes out. <laughs> um, but so in that, because the two of you work together and have for so many years, yes. I mean, could you be proper actors in it? Or was it just like oh. there's a French and Saunders <laughs> sketch going on at the side of the train? 
Oh no, you're a boat. It's a boat. It's a boat. <laughs> it's, it's a boat. Um, well, no, we did try and, and put on our, our acting cloaks um, <laughs> and do it. But it was honestly, it was just such a blast because the rest of the cast, you know, movie stars. And it was a huge, I mean, a huge production. The catering was marvellous, Graham. Oh. I can't tell you the catering was. I, I literally, there was a, they did a lot of exterior shots. And I walked into this giant Egyptian tomb, literally a stone lighter than I walked out of it about a month later. <laughs> I don't know how the costume lasted. <laughs> well, now, see, now I want to see it. Now I want to, I want to look out for that. Uh, we've had some questions from listeners. Uh, Catherine in Bristol, uh, do you have a dream role in the theatre? Is there something you've got your eye on, thinking, oh, I could do that? In the theatre? Yeah. Oh, oh, or I anywhere, or anywhere. You've oh, said... I tell you what, you know, they did once sort of promise that there would be a Devil Wears Prada musical. Has that happened? It's, it, weirdly, it weirdly, they're workshopping it now. Uh, <gasps> yeah, David Furnish and Elton John, they're off to America to workshop it um, somewhere because uh, he's written the, he's written the music. <sighs> Elton, Have I mean, I not David Furnish. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You have a go, David. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- th- I always thought, oh, that would be a good role, wouldn't it? Ooh. You know, the Meryl Streep. Part. Yes, it will obviously. You know. Yes, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not the not the young part. It would be quite uh, funny if you played the assistant. <laughs> Oh, you see, that would be funny. Yeah, that would tickle me. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why has it got to be a young person? Exactly. And but yes. you know, but, but this, you know, this kind of new uh, string to your bow of kind of you know legitimate theatre. Uh, yes. Do you have you got that urge in you that that comics often get of wanting to play something very? Dramatic. I mean, you did the the no, Netflix no, thing. You did the you secret on Netflix, and you you have to do it too much, and that's the thing. It, it, you know, if it's a very, I often wonder. I have a great fun doing Blind Spirit, because I go on stage, then I come off again, and other people do a bit, <laughs> and um, I enjoy that. And it's funny, and you get the laughs, and it's it's just a joy, and it's quite short. Now, I think of some of these these actresses who do those huge Greek classics and things. And I think, oh, my God, you've got to do that night after night. I just I just wouldn't be able to do that, I don't think. Yes, I'm, I think it's, I'm... it's the night after nightness of something incredibly serious would, would not be appealing to me. Yes, because it's the sort of thing, if you do it once and everyone goes, yay, you're marvellous, yeah. I would kind of think, well, that itch has been scratched. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to the ivy, dine out on it and go home. <laughs> A night that will live on our memories forever. <laughs> Well, uh, Jennifer Chaudhry's will be getting big laughs night after night in Blind Spirit at the Harold Pinter Theatre here in London's glittering West End. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for giving up your Sunday morning to to talk to us. Uh, Very kind of you. All right, my dear, take care of yourself. Okay, bye. Bye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. I'm joined on the line now by top vocalist Rob Bryden. Hello. <laughs> that's a nice introduction. Well, Hello. You're a singer. You're a singer. <laughs> yeah, that's what you are. How now. are you? I'm very well. I was saying earlier. I think this is about the third time I've interviewed you about this tour. I know. <laughs> but you're doing I it know. now. It's happening. It's Graham, happening. 
It's not a promise anymore. I was <laughs> I was on stage last night, the night before. I, it, it's happening, and I'm loving it. Oh, so what's it like? Because you know, obviously, we know you can sing. You've got a gorgeous voice, but do it. But doing this, you know, doing a full evening of of song and laughter. They're both included. Uh, how how is it? Do you have to kind of take really good care of yourself? Is this a rare opportunity for you to speak during the day? Are you on vocal rest? <laughs> It's really interesting. Well, let your listeners be the judge of that, but I find it very interesting. <laughs> you do have to look after your your voice. And you, the thing I'm learning is you must be careful not to get carried away during the show and really push it, thinking, oh, if I, if I go a little bit higher here, a little bit stronger, that will really impress them. You, you've got to think more, hang on, I'm doing this tomorrow night as well. <laughs> so you've got to... You've got a whole but let me give you the, the inevitable Tom Jones mention. I, I can't do an interview <laughs> without mentioning him. I once spoke to him and I've never been afraid of a name drop, Graham, as you know. I once spoke to him and I said I said, I was listening to you in Las Vegas in about nineteen sixty nine. I said, and you you do a lot of talking to the audience, you know. And he said, Well it meant it meant we could drop a song. You know, it meant I because he was doing two shows a night for, for a month or something. And when you hear that, you think, oh, yeah, it's a real thing. You, you've got to look after it. Well, Adele, she chats. I mean, her show is half chat. I mean, mm. yeah. So then is it that is it that reason, do you think? Well, I imagine it is because, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't speak for Adele, but, you know, it sounds like a big sing when you hear her <laughs> yeah. album. So last yes. night, last night, Brighton, it was a triumph. Uh, yeah. What was it like? I believe the first gig you did was Eastbourne on the yeah. 10th of September. Talk us through that evening, what it was like for you, what it was like for the band, what it was like for the audience. I think it's the same. Every performer I've spoken to has had quite a, profound, if that's not too strong a word, experience, because it's been so long away from an audience. And for the audience, it's been so long away from having that communal experience and looking up at someone on the stage that they like, they've chosen to be there. So I found it really emotional. I, I got a little choked up at the beginning. And then at the very end, I said, hey, you know, thanks so much. Isn't it great for us all to be together? And the audience just cheers. And, and it you, you feel part of something which we hope is once in a lifetime, please God. You know? Yeah. The, this, this remarkable experience. There's definitely a sense that audiences, uh, if I can use the uh, vernacular, are, are gagging for it. Yeah, but also, I mean, I just I, we just had 300 people or 320 people or something in the TV show on, um, on Thursday night. Mm. And it's... You forget, you kind of think, oh, it's nice to have an audience, but you forget what it, it, it's like. It's a visceral chemical thing. It just it makes a big difference. We, we, we've done two series of Would I Lie To You Now with a restricted audience of, of literally, I don't know, 50 to 100 people. And it, it, when it's finished and it's all cut together, it looks great. But on the night, you just don't get to that thing of riding their energy. You, 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 you know, you, you're doing, you're pushing all the way. There's no time where you can just coast on the energy of the audience because the audience, you know, performers say, don't they? You're a big part of tonight, and I'm sure the audience thinks, yeah, whatever. But it's true. No, I, I mean, I would have said it and thought, whatever. But uh, <laughs> actually, it, it really is true. Graham, Graham, I've said it and thought, whatever. <laughs> but, but, but never again. No, never again. Um, and for us, you know, we've been very lucky, Rob, because we've been able to, you know, muddle through and do some mm. TV work and mm. things. But for your band, I mean, oh, yeah. they, I mean, yeah. musicians have suffered so much. What was it like for them on the 10th of September? 
It's the, it, it was just great. You know, the thing that struck me was we were doing this show. We were on tour whenever it was just before the pandemic and we cancelled it. We stopped. Literally, we were on stage in Guildford at G Live. We were doing the sound check when the press conference happened and he said, um, I recommend you don't go to the theatre. That, that was helpful. So we I said then, right, let, let, we have to stop. And I'll never forget, for me, it was a case of, OK, well, I'm, I'm going to have to duck and dive for a bit, right, do the other things I do. But the look in the faces of my musicians, for whom a tour is a big chunk of work. I'll, I'll never forget it. It I, kind of took me a little bit by surprise. Uh, I realise now, of course. But So, so they, are, they just love being back and um, we're having the best of times. Listen, I forgot a very important bit of business. If yeah. people want to get tickets to A Night of Songs and Laughter, and who wouldn't? RobBryden.live. You go to RobBryden.live, you can get tickets there, you can find out uh, all the places. Because this goes right through to Birmingham next year, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 spaced out. It's, uh, there are lots of gaps again to sort of for the voice and stuff like that, and a few other things I've got going on. But um, yeah, right through to summer next year. And in fact, I think we're going to extend it. We had to we had to uh, delay all the Scottish dates because of the situation there. So I'm hoping to put those in next autumn because I love playing up there. And you, I was talking to Jennifer Saunders earlier about kind of you, the logjam of entertainment. Yeah. Do you have things in the works? That haven't come out yet, or uh, you know, is there? Are you planning another trip yeah. when you can do a trip? Are you not? You know, Gavin and Stacey. Obviously, everyone wants more Gavin and Stacey. There's no plans for a Gavin and Stacey. I, I'd like to do another trip in about ten years. You know, if Steve is still alive, <laughs> I think that would be a that would be a lovely. You know, and I we all send him our best wishes. Um, <laughs> And there's there's a would I lie to you in the can, ready to go out. Oh, very good. I've done a, I've done this film, a little bit in a film with Lily James that Jemima Khan wrote. I think I think she wrote it. Yeah, she did write it. Uh, called What's Love Got to Do with It. Um, that's coming out at some point. I've done a thing. I've done this one-off thing with this wonderful thing with Ruth Jones. Oh yes, uh, that'll go out at some point. Not Gavin and Stacey, but it, it's it's a lovely thing that comes out. Later in the year, like a fun, a, of, like a drama thing or a documentary uh, it, thing, com, com, comedy, comedy drama, comedy oh, right. one off, one off comedy playhouse drama thing. Oh, who's that for? Thing. For BBC One, I believe you're familiar with them, ladies and gentlemen. BBC One, mm, there's posh, there's Imagine. posh. And when's your next gig, uh, Rob? Well, Graham, I'm glad you've asked because the people of Leicester have an unrivaled opportunity to come and see what it's all about uh, at the De Montfort Hall. Oh, I think beautiful. it's Tuesday, and then we go to Hull, and then we go to Leeds. And are you in a, a bus with the boys, or are the boys on a bus and you're in the back of a luxury car, a sedan? I like the sound of that second option, but no, <laughs> do you know what? One of the best things, and you'll know this, when you tour as a stand-up comedian, it's you and your tour manager. And it can be quite a lonely life. You know, you come off the stage and you then you're back at the hotel all on your own. One of the best things about doing this show is you got the band. So when it shows like I was in Poole, Eastbourne, Brighton, I'll just drive there and drive home. But on for Leicester and Hull and Leeds, the little we got one of those little luxury little coach things that will be coming. All the band will be in there. They pick me up and we just chat and tell stories. And it's it's one of the best parts of the whole thing. 
Oh, that, that is lovely because that is the thing about being a, the difference between an actor and a stand-up, isn't it? Just mm. the being part of a company. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so it can be so soul-destroying. You know, you, you you do a great show, where it's wonderful, and then that night you're at the hotel on your own. The next morning you're in the hotel on your own. It's a it's a real adjustment. So so doing it with the band, and also you come up with ideas for things we can do on stage. That's one of the best parts. You get feedback from them. We come off at the end of the first half. They go, oh, I love that thing you said tonight. It was a bit different from last night. And so the, the show grows and develops that way. Wow. Well, listen, I'm so glad that it's happening because God love you. <laughs> I know. God I know. love you. <laughs> I've told you. I've told you about it so many times. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a fortnight of songs and laughter. Yeah, <laughs> a night of songs and laughter with Rob Brydon. Uh, if you're looking for uh, tickets and locations, it's all on robbryden.live. Rob, thank you so much for giving up some of your uh, precious Sunday morning to talk oh, to us here on Virgin Radio. Thanks, Graham. Always lovely to talk to oh, you. Take care of yourself, lovely man. Bye-bye. Cheers bye. now then. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Time for Saturday Night Dinner. Who will be the winner? Uh, Judy. Judy is in Birmingham. Hello, Judy. Hello, Graham. Oh, my God. Can't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> believe it. You're on the radio. It's yeah, very exciting. now the embarrassment starts. <laughs> and uh, how are things in Birmingham today? A bit dull, I have to say, but um, dry at least and warm. <laughs> yes, dry and warm. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. We've had our sun. Yeah. Dry and warm. We'll take it. Have you got any exactly. plans for the weekend, Judy? Oh, just housework, really boring, shopping, the usual stuff. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'd like to say something really exciting, but no. No. Well, uh, this, this will save you at least one trip to the shops. So, uh, true. Yeah, here we go. So what it is, this is uh, the plant life range from Waitrose. So it's all plant-based and it's created by the chefs. Some you microwave, some you cook, and uh, the dessert is a, a you just eat it. I, I, yes, the dessert, exactly. I had the dessert during the week and it was so good. Do you listen Fabulous. to Virgin Radio a lot, uh, Judy? Uh, yeah, when I can, when I'm not working, I listen to Chris in the morning and obviously yourself at the weekends and, and anything else in between, really, when I can. So, yeah, all the time. <laughs> very on brand, Judy. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, 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 to say yeah, that. <laughs> I'll be helping you a lot in this quiz. <laughs> Fantastic. I think I need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the, the questions aren't the questions aren't that easy, I have to say, but I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you along. <laughs> so the first course is crisp crumbed mac bites. What are they, Graham? Why? They're crisp chilli crumbs <laughs> around macaroni in a creamy vegan sauce. So what is, it's like little, uh, what do you call those Italian things, ara, ara thingy, you know, the rice balls, the uh, aranacci or aranici or something. Arancini, arancini, yeah. So it's like that, but it's with macaroni. Okay. 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 Marvellous. Uh, uh, just, yeah, get them in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> here you go. So which iconic Fleetwood Mac album released in 1977 I mean, Judy's too young for these sorts of oh, questions. Judy's a not. child. <laughs> you can listen, listen to that childlike voice. She won't know something that happened in 1977. Here we go. Mm, I'm not fooling anyone, okay. I don't think. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, released in 1977, contained their tracks Dream, Go Your Own Way and The Chain. It's multiple choice, Judy. Don't panic oh, just okay. yet. Okay. So, it's the Fleetwood Mac album from 1977. Those hits. Was it A, Rumours... B, Tango in the Night. C, Tusk. What do you think? Well, I was thinking the only one I know is Rumours, so I think I'd, I'd better go Rumours. OK, let's see if you're one. right or wrong. 
You're right. Oh, okay. I'm I'm happy now. I got one right. No, exactly. See, there's no there's no humiliation now. It's all just it's all just plant based gravy from now on. Uh, You're good. Okay. Next course is pulled oyster mushroom burgers. Uh, How's your oyster mushroom? It pulled. Uh, Juicy juicy succulent burgers. A deeply savoury flavour. Delicious meaty texture, and they caramelise beautifully when fried. And you can have them, you know, in a bun with chips and all the trimmings. Here we go. Uh, Blur's 1994 release Park Life. Now, are you a Blur fan? Mm, okay, I think you might know <laughs> this. This is this, one. <laughs> this is this is more popular culture than than music. So here we go. Mm, Blur's okay. 1994 release Park Life featured which Cockney actor on the title track? So which Cockney actor was on Park Life? Was it A. Ray Winston, B. Danny Dyer, C. Phil Daniels? Well, I thought I thought it was that the chap from EastEnders, uh, and I knew he, I thought it was Phil. So I'm going to have to go with Phil Daniels. Phil Daniels, are you right? Oh, yes, you Yay! are. The tension was unbearable there for a minute. I thought, no, they're just they're just playing with us, Judy. Uh, well, look, how lucky are you? You've got you've got the lovely uh, uh, mushroom burger, and you've got the crumb and mac bites. Now, this I can say is delicious they are chocolate and caramel pots it's Mm. a chocolate caramel mousse salted caramel sauce hiding underneath and dark chocolate chips on top and none of your small portions here judy these are it's a proper it's a yeah it's a proper pot it's it's like a yeah it's good it's a good size yeah you don't feel cheated you don't feel cheated (laughs) okay are you getting dessert this this is hard which of these bands I, I think this is hard. Which of these bands has not, has not released a single called Chocolate? Okay? So, <laughs> there's three bands. Only one of them hasn't released a single called Chocolate. Was it A, Oasis, B, Snow Patrol, C, The 1975? Oh, my God. Uh... I mean, I don't think I could name a 1975 single. No, me neither, to be honest. <laughs> um, oh, God. I think because I don't know any of their songs, I think I'll have to say 1975, I think. Uh, no idea with this one. I'm not sure I'm going to be getting the chocolate. <laughs> All right, let's see if you're right or wrong. Oh, Judy. <laughs> it was mind. Oasis. It was Oasis. The 1975 had a song called Chocolate. Oasis don't have a song called Chocolate. I'm so sorry. But hey, That's you're, okay. you're all good. You're all good. You've got your start. You've got your main course. Anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're on the air? Oh, well, um, anyone who who knows me, obviously my, my husband who has no clue, he's downstairs, has no clue I'm currently on the oh, radio. Oh, right, but I was going to say he knows you. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it wasn't some arranged marriage yeah, we've never yeah, met. Yeah, no, no clue I'm embarrassing myself on the radio at the moment. Um, yeah, my, my, my daughter Holly, son Daniel, partner... Uh, Partner Claire, granddaughter Raya, uh, anyone else, anyone who works for West Midlands Fire Service, hello, if anyone's listening. Um, yeah, I, I think that covers it. <laughs> I think you've done very well there, Judy. Yeah, very Thank well. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and you'll never forget chocolate now. Uh, lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely talk to you to Judy. Enjoy you. your, your Waitrose goodies and uh, have a great weekend. Take care of yourself Thank now. Thank you. Thank you so much. All Thank right. you. Bye. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for joining me for the Graham Norton Radio Show podcast with Waitrose. I'm back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning. And don't forget, the next episode of this podcast will be out first thing the following Monday. I'll speak to you then. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.